Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got TJ Erickson back on to finish this conversation. This is part two. Uh, If you did not listen to the last show, go back and listen to that one for sure. That is a lot of Lake of the Woods stuff, but we also get to know TJ really well in in the beginning of that show. Now, TJ lives in Park Rapids now. He's a school teacher, but he guides most of the year. He's a great communicator. It's our first time having him on, but it's not going to be the last because this was a really, really fun conversation. Uh, Last conversation, like I said, was Lake of the Woods. This show, we completely changed gears. It's a completely different show, and TJ gets to really continue to flex his passion and where it's taken him to now uh, being a fishing guide around the Park Rapids area in Minnesota. And there's not a lot of other guides out there. I mean, in comparison to the amount of fishing, the amount of lakes anyways. And uh, so it's really great to have somebody on representing that area. Uh, You know, TJ getting a chance to talk about how he's learned to fish an area like that, being he moved there uh, from other parts of the world, fishing other types of walleye patterns and other lakes like Lake of the Woods. We've talked about it in the last show, and now he's here northern minnesota inland waters and i tell you what no matter where you're from in the midwest uh you know tj's a super fishy guy this conversation is really really fun you'll probably take a lot of good ideas away from it but like i said no matter where you're from you know inland walleye fishing for a lot of people uh can be a little bit tricky and uh you know we touch on some really cool fun topics of conversation including the night bite uh some shallow weed fish um, just a, a lot of things that probably aren't super popular yet when we talk about walleye fishing through the ice in those parts of the world. Uh, but TJ goes right for it, and he's uh, he's also on YouTube, and he's got some really great educational YouTube content to back up all these things he's saying. So uh, when you're done listening to this show and you really enjoy it, I know you will, Head over to TJ's Guide Service YouTube page and enjoy some of that content over there. Anyways, long intro. Well, let's get into this interview with TJ Erickson from Park Rapids, Minnesota. And wherever you're getting the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with all your fishing friends. And I tell you what, it's been a long time since I asked this, but you know, uh, it's really, really fun. It's been really fun over the course of this podcast lifespan to interact with everybody online head over to our facebook page the jmo radio podcast uh head down to the comment section wherever you listen to the podcast and give us those recommendations of guests or topics for future episodes we love getting those you know we have so many we probably can't get to them all uh you know every single year every single season but it, it is so much fun to continue to get those. So, uh, you know, the recommendations for guests and topics, future episodes, we love getting them. And, you know, for archived episodes, uh, if you're not aware yet, we've uh, paired up with a virtual angling, the virtual angling app. Uh, head over on your device, wherever you get your apps, download the virtual angling app and subscribe today. And that's where you're going to find all of our archived episodes, all of our past episodes that you don't see anymore on the apps. Uh, head over there. That's where all the archived episodes are. And with your subscription, not only are you going to get, you know, 150 plus past episodes of the JMO podcast, but you're going to get just a, just a, a mountain of content, video content, uh, blogs, articles, everything that uh, any angler would want that is looking for content to help them get better at fishing. If you like this show and you like the technical information, you like everything that... Uh, you know, it helps you become a better, more educated angler. 
the virtual angling app is for you. So head over there, download it, subscribe to it, get the archived episodes, check out all the other content there. Anyways, let's get into this interview. TJ Erickson, Park Rapids, Minnesota. Let's do it. A few minutes that we had to, to chat before we started recording this, this entire interview, we were talking about ideas, uh, uh, things that we could talk about. And, you know, in your fishing career, you know, uh, I guess for me as, as a listener, you know, you were born and raised on Lake of the Woods, but now you really have, you know, kind of built up this, uh, you know, this, this, this guide career in a totally different looking uh, uh, part of the world as it pertains to fishing here in Park Rapids, Minnesota. I kind of want to jump on that a little bit. Let's transition into that. Talk to me about the fishing in Park Rapids, but more big picture. Like, what was it like? What was your learning curve like when you, you know, coming from all your life experiences, all the time you had spent in your life on Lake of the Woods, and then you started to really put yourself to the test on these in this Park Rapids, Minnesota area? Talk to me about the diversity of the water and like, you know, you kind of had to start from scratch. Like, talk to me about that time in your career and what some of the major learning curves were as it pertains to the angling. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, uh, a humbling transition to say the least. I mean, you know, fishing Lake in the woods, we were catching all sorts of walleyes. We were catching some big walleyes. It was just like, I'm not going to say easy because fishing is never easy, but fishing on Lake of the woods, especially growing up was so very good. And so I kind of came to Park Rapids with that in mind of like, oh yeah, I've got walleyes dialed in. I know what I'm doing. Da, 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 da. So I come to the Park Rapids area and I'm starting to fish around here. And just starting before I even hopped on the water, I just start looking at the maps and I'm seeing lakes that are a hundred feet deep. I'm seeing lakes with incredible uh, just structure. And I'm just starting to look at these. I was like, okay, this is nothing like I look. The structure, yes, I can break down a hump. I can break down a reef. I can still break some of that. So some of that definitely did trans, uh, transition with me. But I start going on these bodies of water, specifically in the summer, and I am just blown away. I'm like, this is such a different style of fishing. So I had to just start learning. And so what did I do? I, one, just spent hours and hours and hours on these lakes. And the one thing that's very interesting about these lakes is every single lake is so very different. When I'm talking Lake of the Woods, you know, Lake of the Woods, it's all the same lake. There's different pieces like we talked about earlier, whether it's rocks or the mud flats, whatever it is. Every single lake around here fishes so differently. So that was a huge challenge for me right away. Uh, so when I'm talking specifically walleyes, you know, and so I had to really go back to the drawing board. And so one of the things I did, spend as much time as I possibly could. I was teaching. So in the summertime, before I started guiding, all I would do was fish. I just needed to learn, learn, learn. And I spent a lot of time not catching fish. I spent a lot of time not even fishing. One of the things, I am an electronics junkie. I love electronics. I love how quickly they can help you learn bodies of water, help you learn what fish do and how they react to baits and where they're hanging out and all of that. So electronics really helped to shorten my curve. Um, and so I spent a ton of time, not even fishing, just driving around these bodies of water and just seeing what am I looking at? What are these fish doing? Where are they at? And then the other thing, I spent a ton of time watching YouTube videos. I mean, YouTube is an amazing place because there's so much great information out there that people are willing to share. And you just have to kind of dissect what is worthwhile for you, what isn't, what is relatable to you, what isn't. 
So I spent hours watching watching um, YouTube fishing videos. And also the other thing that I did, I started listening. I started listening to podcasts like JMO podcasts. And I started listening to a bunch of different podcasts as I'm driving around. So I could really kill two birds with one stone. I would be out in the boat driving around looking and then I have my headphones in and I'd be listening to podcasts. And I really was just trying to soak in as much information as I possibly could. I was keeping all kinds of journals. I was keeping journals with pressure and weather patterns and all. I spent my first few years here just soaking everything up that I possibly could simply because I needed to. And I wanted to learn not just a handful of areas to fish. Oh yeah, I might be able to catch fish here. I want to learn what these fish are doing. I want to learn where they're at, how they're moving, how they're reacting to all these different baits. So spent a ton of time just learning once I moved to Park Rapids. And that was a really cool experience because all of a sudden I started doing things like fishing walleyes in the weeds where that was not a thing that I had ever even thought about doing in Lake of the Woods. I'm thinking like, okay, I fish panfish in the weeds. Like when I was growing up, we go camping, we fish panfish in the weeds. And I'm like, wait, there's big walleye sitting in the weeds. So, you know, we started experimenting with a lot of different baits of like, what can, what are these fish going to do? How are they going to react? How can we fish these things in the weeds? And that was a huge learning curve. You know, I started fishing some of these leagues and things like that, that you got to hear bits and pieces from other people. And I know I talked um, last time too about being able to have some of these, you know, mentors in my life, the people that have really kind of poured into me and helped me learn some of this area. I know we talked about Jason Durham, who's been on the podcast here before. He was very helpful in a lot of that too, because if anybody has some experience in this area, it's him, you know, he's fished here for so long and guided for so long. He's got more hours on the water in this area than anybody that I know. So he was helpful, uh, very helpful in helping to learn a lot of those, just how these fish move and different tips and tactics. And between that and some of the electronics, it really, I wouldn't say shorten my learning curve because it was hours and hours and hours spent, but it was really helped to shorten that learning curve. And now I will never, never say that I have any body of water figured out by any means, because if you're somebody that likes to fish, you are never done learning. Every single time you go out, you start to realize like, wow, I had no idea what I was doing before. This is way new to me. This is, and that's why I love whether it's underwater cameras, live scope, whatever it is for electronics, seeing these fish and how they react are, is such a great tool to learn. And, you know, then we can get into all sorts of questions about whether that's hurting fishing or not, you know, and we're not going to get into that right now, but I just find so much value in being able to shorten some of that learning curve as someone who came new to an area and haven't fished around here my whole life. And so I was like, I've always wanted to do this guiding thing. I thought my whole life I was going to be teaching in Roseau and guiding on Lake of the Woods. And, you know, we moved to Park Rapids and it's like, all right, I'm still on to do this guiding thing. And uh, so again, Durham was super helpful. And one of the big things that I noticed fishing this area was the water clarity. I mean, the lakes around this area are so crazy clear, which is awesome. It's beautiful. It's great, but that can definitely make you know, the, the walleye fishing a little more challenging, you know, it makes those bite windows that much import, uh, more important and the seasonal patterns, you know, you see just a little bit different seasonal patterns with some of the walleyes around here as opposed to Lake of the Woods because around Park Rapids, we have your typical kind of deep, clear lakes that you see throughout the majority of Minnesota. Um, and, you know, with these walleyes, walleyes being phototactic, you know, they see so much better at night than their prey, you know, the forage, a lot of time at night, their, their eyesight isn't as good and they'll just kind of hang out at bottom. So these walleyes, those bite windows became so much more important that day and that evening bite. But with that being said, it's been so amazing. You know, when I'm guiding, I'm forced to fish um, midday, which when I was growing up, I would never think fishing these clear bodies. Well, I'm not going to fish midday. That fish will bite midday. It's amazing. Even with the walleyes having that advantage over their prey at night, 
some amazing bites that you can get on on clear bodies of water, calm days, sunny days that you think go against every rule of fishing, you know, and you get on some incredible bites midday where you don't in the evening. So it's been a very interesting time learning these lakes and there's so much yet to learn. I mean, I'm going to be fishing my whole life and I will never have any of these perfectly figured out because there's always something to learn because these fish are constantly adapting as well. And it's just so cool to be able to put little pieces together. But yeah, as opposed to, uh, or as far as fishing Lake in the Woods versus fishing Park Rapids, it was a huge learning curve and a lot of great lesson learned. And really it felt like almost starting over, but some great lessons learned and just really cool experience making that transition here. The JMO Podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at one 800 255 5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long haul, running on the power of promises kept. Oh yeah, you know you kind of you touched on it with the, the clear water, but my next kind of question or, or just something that I want to pick your brain with is like you know, what would you say were the biggest um you know, the biggest considerations that you make now say, you know, summer, winter, I'm not even like being that specific, just in your time spent, like, what are the big considerations that you make now, uh, you know, guiding around Park Rapids that are considerations that you never made before on Lake of the Woods or, 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 and then the inverse of that, what were some of the big considerations you made on Lake of the Woods that you had to forget about now that you're in this different type of area? Talk a little bit about that if anything comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the biggest things like you talked about was water clarity. I had to learn how these fish reacted, how they moved, where they were, you know, because even in that shallow water, where are these fish going to be? How are they going to relate to the weeds? How are they going to even attack baits? And so that was really something that now looking into it, I, for my first couple of years, I was telling you, I kept a little bit of a journal. And I, this is one of the stories that I always tell my guide clients is, I kept a journal of almost anything you could think of, solar lunar phases, you know, barometric pressure, weather, wind, everything. I kept detailed journals and I was like, I'm bound and determined to figure these fish out. You know, I am going to figure this out and I'm going to get patterns developed. And, and I said, the one thing I figured out is that you can't figure them out, you know, and there's definitely some things that are helpful. And there's definitely some patterns, you know, whether it's be cold fronts kind of shutting down fish or fish biting right before a storm. Those are definitely some patterns that are consistent. Um, but there was a lot of research that I did that was very frustrating because I wanted to, to peg a clear answer. But the exciting thing about that is now, you know, instead of saying, okay, I know I'm going to go out and be able to catch fish because of these, whatever, whatever's going on with weather, or oh, I'm not even going to go out because I'm not going to catch fish right now. There's always hope because in some of the worst conditions that you can imagine, we've had some of the best days. So that is one kind of tip that I would say, the best time to go fishing is anytime you can go fishing. You know, and I know a lot of people say that, but it's so true. You know, we can have our ideas of what we think these fish are gonna do, and we can have some pretty good ideas, um, but ultimately 
they have a mind of their own and it is amazing what you can learn just by getting out on the water um, whenever you have a chance to. So some of the considerations that I make are, especially in the wintertime, I would say I key in a lot more on those low light periods um, with the water clarity, how they are. And I talked a little bit earlier about how we've had some amazing bites, midday, calm, sunny days. That can happen 100%. But those low light periods definitely seem to produce some of the best fishing, especially in the winter. That last half hour, that last hour of daylight in the wintertime is where I would say I catch 90% of my walleyes. Maybe that's because that's the majority of time that I spend targeting them as well. Um, but that is one of the considerations that I make is going out during those low light periods. Um, you know, another thing that I really key in on, especially in the winter, is not being afraid to fish shallow for walleyes. That was so bizarre to me, so foreign to me. You know, growing up on Lake of the Woods, we would hardly ever fish lower, uh, shallower than 20 feet. But man, seeing some of these fish caught in five feet and less than five feet, especially early in the season, both open water and um, early ice, some one of my favorite bites is fishing shallow water weed walleyes early in the ice fishing season. Um, and that is, I just filmed a video on that earlier this year and those fish just get so aggressive. And that was one of the considerations that I made because I never would have thought to do that. You know, anytime there's good green weeds, there's fish around, whether it be bass, pike, walleyes, panfish, anytime you have that good green weeds, summertime and wintertime, that is probably the biggest takeaway that I've learned moving here. Weeds hold fish. And that is something I never thought of growing up on Lake of the Woods because always this deep uh, structure fishing or deep flat fishing, you know, because those fish just have everything they need in the weeds. They have the shade, they have the oxygen, they have the forage, everything that they need is up in those weeds. So when those, they hang around that early uh, wintertime, that can be such a fun bite. So yeah, those are a few considerations that I make. Keying in on those low light periods, um, keying in on some of those shallow weedy areas. And another thing is to be willing to, especially around here, be willing to move with as the evening progresses. You know, a lot of times when I'm fishing some of these pieces of structure, I'll start out at the base of them and I'll drill all my holes early. Get them out of the way before it gets dark so you don't spook these fish. And it's so cool because you can see these fish you'll start to see kind of at the base of these pieces of structure, you'll start to see bait, you'll start to see perch, you'll start to be that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, those will start to disappear a little bit, and all of a sudden, these walleyes will start moving in. Then, the hole that you have drilled 10 feet away that's a little bit shallower, all of a sudden, once those walleyes move through, you move up to that hole, and you have these holes drilled beforehand, you know, and those, all of a sudden, that bait will show up, and then those walleyes will move through, and you can just see the slow transition moving up to the top of that structure. So that is another kind of consideration that I take into place is, when you're going out in those low light periods, get your stuff prepared and get your holes drilled prior to actual fishing. So that way you can be prepared and kind of follow the movement of fish with that. So yeah, kind of a, a lot of pieces all over the place, but there's just, I just think about the stuff that I've learned since I've moved here and some of the considerations that I make now. And every day is so different and every day you're learning something a little bit different. Oh yeah, man. No, that you knocked that out of the park. I love that. It's like, like if nothing else, it's motivating and inspiring just to like, to know that, you know, there's just so much out there that we could be trying and learning, but to break it down a little bit, the shallow walleye thing, I think is a huge deal. Like I, I love hearing anglers talk about that. And, and realistically, you're probably right in the middle of learning about that. So five years from now, you might have a different perspective. But you know what? We'll talk about it again then. But I want to pressure you a little bit on your shallow uh, approach here. You know, you talk about the green weeds. Elaborate a little bit on that. You know, when if you could look back on some of the successes you've had through the ice with 
catching walleyes in northern, north central Minnesota of all places in the world, clear water, you know, uh, in fish, fishing less than say 12 foot of water. What's kind of the recipe for success there? You already touched on, you know, low light periods are probably the best time of day and touched on green weeds, but really elaborate on that as much as you possibly can. I would love to just hear more on that. Yeah, absolutely. This is a bite that I absolutely love. One, because there's a lot of good sized fish moving around those weeds, but two, you can catch anything up in those shallow weeds. You know, you're going to catch some bass, some pike, walleyes. Um, And the other thing that's very interesting is it can be very dependent on lake to lake, whether that shallow weed bite is effective or not. You know, some lakes I think, oh, this is set up perfectly. This is set up just how I want it. And then no luck. But I would say the majority of what I've found for that shallow bite is shallow flat. So I'm not, I'm not looking for these areas where there are these steep break lines. And I'm just going to go up right on the top of this break line where there's some weeds. Like I'm looking these big, shallow, expansive flats. And I'm specifically, you know, looking for some patches of weeds. One of my favorite things to do is early ice is going out before there's snow on the ice. Obviously, safety um, precautions need to be taken. But as soon as I can get out on safe ice and walk out, I love to go around and see where these weed patches. Sometimes I'll even mark where these weed patches are. And if you can set up on the edge of these weeds, man, you are going to have so many fish cruising through. And so finding these big, more expansive flats, it can sometimes be intimidating because you're like, okay, there's this huge flat. Where do I even set up? And being a structure fisherman, wanting something for fish to relate to, that structure ends up being those weeds. So if you can, A, either get out early ice where you're going to see some of these weeds through the ice, or B, use your electronics, especially, you know, I love using my live scope to scan around and see where these weed patches are and get on the edge of some of those weeds and you'll see the perch, you'll see panfish moving through, and then you'll see some of these bigger predator fish like your pike and your walleyes moving through as well. So the big things that I've noticed, shallow flats, especially some of the more extensive, you know, networks of flats out on some of these lakes and some of your lakes won't have a great bite like that because they're just a big bowl. You know, there's not a lot of these shallow weedy flats. Um, But a couple of the videos that I've shot this year, just kind of bringing to mind are My first one was a walleye one where I was specifically targeting walleyes. We caught some nice pike and stuff too, but those fish were moving over some of those open areas and moving in and around those weed patches. As soon as I got close to a weed patch, that's when I would start to catch some of those walleyes. And man, some of those fish got so aggressive. There is one of the fish that I caught. You could see it come up swing and miss. And it turned around on it. Like it was a flashback to fishing lake trout because it was so aggressive. It turned around and darted right back up and just smoked it. And it was like a 16 inch walleye. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool to see. You know, you're thinking of just pulling these walleyes right off bottom using the most finesse approach you can think of. And they come up and they just barely bite. And here I'm watching this thing cruise on the live scope. It is so cool. So that's one of my favorite things about those, that early season bite up in the shallow weeds is those fish are so aggressive. And the last one that I just shot the other day was actually, we were doing some sight fishing and this was more of a bass and panfish bite but you're still seeing the same kind of pattern shallow flats on the edge of the weeds you know these fish kind of move around these weed edges and when you can be out in one of those open patches it's like these predator fish will cruise in and around those weeds and when they see one like some bait whatever it is out in some more of those openings they just attack you know they see that open they see their opportunity and specifically the walleyes you know they they love to be aggressive in those situations. You're not, they're not your typical finicky walleyes that you're thinking. So that is a really, really cool bite. Shallow weedy patches, those fish are moving around all over the place. And that is one of those times 
I talk a lot about those bite windows. That is one of those unique bites that I found around here that you can catch fish and walleye specifically throughout the whole day. You know, those break lines that you fish early in the year that can be very good. Um, some of those deeper flats or deeper structure, those tend to be more early and late specifically in the evening but those shallow weedy flats you have a chance of catching those fish throughout the whole day you know you can sit sometimes and those fish aren't going to be cruising by you but if you can find those high traffic areas on those weed edges that is going to be kind of a prime time bite throughout the day yeah man i think that's really good stuff man and that's something that i'm kind of obsessing over lately it's something that i need to spend more time on is uh you know some of that shallow weed bite in the winter time it just sounds fun to me. I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding videos that, that, you know, guys like yourself make, you know, the stuff that's out there now, um, you know, the videos, it's like, you know, there, there's enough proof out there that we need to be trying more things because it really, uh, man, it's like, I've never heard somebody say that they caught a fit, you know, a walleye through the ice in less than 10 feet of water, you know, clear water, you know, a daytime bite that said that that was a bad time. You know, they said right. that they, they, oh, I'm just never doing that again. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that just sounds oh. like so much fun. Uh, you know, somebody like myself that doesn't have a lot of experience with it. I got to I really got to get into that. And and one thing, you know, uh, I want to bring this up early enough just in case we end up spending a lot of time on it. Um, not that we have to or anything, but I wanted to bring up, you know, the the night bite. You know, what is the night bite? situation up there man what what are some offerings that we can start with there yeah absolutely i'm gonna kind of first start with like, like evening into the night bite and then kind of break that off and go more of like the later evening because you know it's almost like two separate bites that late evening into the dark is i would say obviously your more common bite that people will do um, but it doesn't necessarily end there which is really cool and so some of my general tips, and I talked a little bit about this earlier, but some of my general things that I do with those evening walleyes is whatever piece of structure that I'm fishing, this might be, maybe I'm fishing walleyes on that break line during the day and into the evening, but then there is that shallow weedy flat up in the evening. And so they'll cruise that break line and then I move up on top in the evening. Those walleyes, as a rule, move shallower in the evening. So whether I'm fishing a rocky hump, whether I'm fishing whatever it might be, I always drill my holes first, you know, in that shallow water, those fish can get so spooky and sometimes they can move so fast that you don't want to spend time drilling holes. So for example, you know, if I'm fishing, say a rocky hump, there's a base that's 25 feet. The top is 10 feet. I'm going to drill my holes on right on that base, right on that break line in that 25 feet. And like I said before, you'll see the bait come through first and then um, you'll see your more predator fish come through and they will, you'll see a consistent pattern of those bait leading the predator fish following as they move up on top of that structure. And then that bite can last 10 minutes up on top. That bite can last three hours up on top. Um, but one of the bites that I'm doing more and more of is actually fishing after dark on some of those same type of areas that I fish during the day or during that evening bite on some of those break lines on some of those points, on some of that type of structure. And I'm still a little bit learning on some of this of like, are those fish moving up on top and they're moving back down onto the base? Because another great bite is right up on top. And after like, you know, say sunsets at six o'clock, moving into that seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven o'clock range, you know, those walleyes, especially for whatever reason, those bigger walleyes love to come out after dark. One, they're some of the smartest fish that are out there. So they're not going to, you know, put themselves, make themselves susceptible to 
anything and everything out there. They've, they've gotten big for a reason. And, you know, we talked a little bit about walleyes being phototactic is they just see so much better at night than a lot of the forage that they're chasing. So, you know, we don't fish after dark in general, as a rule of thumb, um, as, you know, ice fishermen, we don't fish a lot after dark. I think just because that's always been the way it is, you know, it's harder to move around. Um, you don't always see, you know, whether you're using a snowmobile or a pickup or whatever, however you're moving around, it's a little bit tougher to see. It's just a little bit more work, you know, and when we go out for the evening, we call it good, come back for supper and we're in for the evening, but there is some very good fishing to be had after dark. And so two of the areas that I've had my best luck fishing after dark. And I'm, when I'm saying after dark, I'm sometimes talking into 11 o'clock middle, middle of the night. You know, if you can have, you know, that ice camping is becoming a very popular thing. You know, if you can do that safely, that's a really cool opportunity to try some of these. And so one of the areas that I like to fish is one, those break lines, whether it's a point or a rock, fishing some of those break lines, some of those high traffic areas, similar to what we talked about um, in the last episode on structure, similar to some of those, just those high traffic areas where fish are going to be moving. They will still move through there in the evening. And especially some of those bigger fish are going to be moving through there in the evening. So some of those same, your typical walleye spots are going to hold fish, but all you have to do sometimes is just stay. You know, you have everything set up, just stay. The challenge with that is sometimes then you could sit for three, four hours without seeing anything cru cruise through. And then all of a sudden two o'clock in the morning, a night bite hits or an after dark bite hits where I think a big reason is we know that evening bite could be good. So we're going to, we, if we only have so much time, we're going to spend two hours fishing that evening bite because we know where that after dark bite, that bite window can be so varied because there's nothing, you know, they're triggered by the changing light conditions often in those early and late periods. Well, they still have the advantage and they love to feed at night. We as anglers don't necessarily specifically have something telling us this is when they're going to bite. Right. You know, it could, it could be at seven o'clock. It could be at midnight. It could be at, so I think that's one of the challenges why we don't see a lot of people doing that is that bite can vary so much depending on your body of water and depending on the time of day, the time of year. Um, but with that being said, some of the best quality fish for walleye specifically is done after dark in the winter. And it's just something like we talked about earlier. It's, it's something that a lot of us are still learning about. And it's just a really cool, um, I don't know, a little nuance almost that yeah. this is different and it's something fun because it can be really hard for people to do because they go out and they try it once or twice and they don't have luck. And it can be really just like trying anything in fishing. If you go out and you try it right away a couple of times and it doesn't work. It can be really hard to get the motivation to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Totally. When you do go out and all of a sudden you go out one night and you catch a handful of walleyes and one's a huge walleye. Oh man, that one time is going to keep you going because that after dark bite, if you have a headlight on or whatever, you're looking down that hole and it's dark, everything's dark, and all of a sudden you see that flash of gold flash below your feet. Oh, that yeah. is an adrenaline rush that you're not going to forget. So I will say, you know, if anybody's listening here that they're wanting to try it out, it's don't get discouraged. It can be easily discouraged. And just like anything in fishing, it might take some time. Um, but those high traffic areas on that structure, those fish are going to cruise all night. If you can sit it out there, sit it out there. But otherwise, on top of the structure is always a classic nighttime spot or, again, shallow weedy flats are awesome for the night as well um it's they just love to cruise up in there that forage the forage doesn't see well at night so they will just kind of cruise and rest near bottom because they're like in their resting state because they can't see very well 
But then those walleyes, you know, their eyesight is so much better at night. So they'll just cruise around. So one of the things I've noticed too, after dark bite, getting your bait closer to bottom can be very helpful because they, it seems like they don't want to chase up quite as much as they do during the daytime, because I think they're used to their, that forage sitting kind of resting near bottom during that nighttime. So they see those and they just scoop them right up. I mean, you've seen, you can see lots of videos um, out there where fish do that even during the day. And I think that's with electronics. We don't do that as often because we like to see them chase and we want them to chase, but keeping that bait close to bottom or even resting it on bottom, you'll see them just scoop that stuff up all the time. So yeah, that night bite, there's so much to be learned about that. But when you do get on some good fish, after dark whether it's two in the morning or seven o'clock at night oh it is one of those things that just gets you so excited it's just another thing to just keep you going as a fisherman if you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net get in touch with Rizavi fish replicas owned and operated by jamie Rizavi over in uh, new rockford north dakota at Rizavi taxidermy studio you can find them online at Rizavi taxidermy studio.com or find them on facebook at Rizavi taxidermy studio you can see the pictures here at the jmo headquarters in devil's lake we have some phenomenal replicas made by jamie and his crew hanging on our walls which we absolutely love they look absolutely perfect just like the fish that were reeled in that day and every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other we absolutely do again if you want or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing get in touch with jamie Rizvi at Rizvi fish replicas you won't be disappointed that's something that hasn't been really fully nuanced yet, and I don't know why. Because if you know, there's so many people out there that want to call themselves like, you know, avid anglers, you know, or I'm just a super nuanced angler, and it's like there's this entire category of fishing that nobody's talking about. Like nobody's talking about getting after walleyes after dark. But I and I think you know, for you specifically, I like that we're we, to touch on it with you because I think you fish in that part of the world where. You know, and there's big parts of the Midwest. You know, you look at a lot of the lakes in Wisconsin are kind of set up that could be set up good for a night bite. Minnesota's full of lakes that, and I think that water clarity is a big part of it. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm like, like you said, you know, neither of us are biologists, but I think that that water clarity has something to do with it because, like, Lake of the Woods, chocolate milk, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Devil's Lake can have clear water, you know, throughout the year, depending upon some you know weather patterns and certain things. But generally speaking. There's a stain in a lot of the the slough fish out in the Dakotas, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all that thing. It's just, it's, it, a lot of that night bite stuff has been tried and it's really, really tricky. But I think that it, you know, how often do you see people, um, just pretty randomly sitting out in their ice castles or whatever it is over in, you know, central Minnesota and, you know, pictures, mm-hmm. pictures online of that, that, you know, they're wearing their pajamas. They had to jump out mm-hmm. of bed for the rattle reel and they got a big walleye. And like you said, too, I think it's a big fish deal, too. I think that, you know, or at least a, a bigger average, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I find it interesting. And it's something that I have on my radar that if I can, if I can just sleep in one day and just be rested up, I'm going to take some opportunities you know, going back to Minnesota, I was born and raised in Minnesota. I think, I just think there's a hundred lakes around where I grew up that a guy should just be testing his metal a little bit. You might have to adjust your efficiencies a little bit. You know, you kind of simplify your setup, but running and gunning at night, running through spots, you know, just kind of doing the deal and just seeing, 
if if uh, you know there's an opportunity with a night bite that is different or uh, you know more better than than the daytime deal for a lot of those clear bodies of water that get a lot of fishing pressure. Well, gosh, in the middle of the night, nobody's driving all over the lake, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I just think that there's so many avenues that we could go on that. Not that we have a whole bunch of time, but yeah, man, mm-hmm. I appreciate you. I appreciate you talking about that. I think you're you're spot on. If if somebody has struggles, if somebody has confidence fishing deeper structure for walleyes, a night bite should definitely be like easy to uh, uh, think about that shallow bite. You know, like if you were ever mm-hmm. going to try a shallow bite. You know, you know, do it, you know, if you got to be in a hard sided shack or you got to be set up on a spot, you know, you know, talk about ice camping, you know, like if you just pick a good, a good, like, you know, uh, feeding window kind of spot, a spot where they're going to be there when it's going down and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just putting your time in there, you know, that's just like a good starter pack, um, conversation for a night bite thing. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think that night bite thing, I'm, I'm hoping to have more good conversations with that as time goes on. But man, we're doing super good for time. So anything that we should just touch on before we close this thing out, we got like three minutes left. Realistically, we could close it out right now and be good. But um, so awesome that uh, you were able to have the time for this. Um, you know, if I don't say it again three times, uh, thank you so much. But um, anything else that we should be touching on? You know, we talked about Lake of the Woods last time. We talking, you know, we're talking that uh, the, that that North Central Minnesota, that Park Rapids area, of Minnesota, uh, with all the great patterns going on there, and um, you know, just the opportunity for some shallow weed bites. I think is a really cool conversation. Great recommendations, great information from you. Um, anything else that you just want to hit on before we wrap it up? Yeah, I did want to, as you were talking, I thought of one more kind of tip that I guess you would say for that after bite, um, that after bite window or after dark window, I should say. And one of the quickest ways that you can learn, so those shallow flats specifically after dark, you know, those fish are roaming. They're looking for that forage. They're just roaming around those shallow weedy areas. And one of the ways to really increase your action, instead of just setting up your house, fishing out of two holes, if you can get a few buddies together, and use tip-ups. You know, they have all sorts of lighted tip-ups. You know, obviously you want to not get your gear crushed by people snowmobiling by, but like we talked about after dark, it's not as much of an issue. But if you can get some lighted tip-ups and you get a few buddies together, you can cover a big area. And we've done that before. We'll go out after dark, set up a bunch of lighted tip-ups. You know, you're not always seeing them. You can still jig, have a jigging rod with your electronics and that can be a fun bite as well. But man, that just seems to cover so much area and it increases your percentage of getting fish just tenfold because, you know, instead of you're trying to get one fish to one hole in this whole flat, now you have a hundred yards. If you have enough guys and you're all spread out, you have a hundred yards of, and especially if you can pinpoint some of those areas where, you know, okay, here's some weed patches, here's some lanes. Um, Really quickly too, that, that sight fishing video that I did, we were right on the edge of a weed patch and you could see almost every fish was following some of these same lanes. That's one thing I love about sight fishing is you can see and you learn so much. So they were actually cruising in. There was one little lane where there was a patch of weeds and you could see them working right along that edge or 
working on another edge that was right adjacent to kind of this open area. So there's some high traffic areas, even amongst the weeds that you can kind of pinpoint on. And if you spread your tip ups out, you spread whatever out or even moving around from hole to hole that can greatly increase like your percentage of catching fish. So if you're not really sure that's a good way to try it out because one bottom line is you're out fishing with some buddies. It's going to be a great time no matter what, if you're like, I don't want to waste the night doing that. Go out, have a great time with your buddies, fish out on the, on the ice after dark, whatever, spread out some tip ups. And the nice thing about that, you could catch a giant pike, a big bass, a big walleye. All those big fish are cruising up there in the night or in the after dark time. And it can just be a ton of fun. Right on, man. Right on, man. I appreciate it. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Um, you know, just promote your socials anywhere that people can uh, get their hands on some of your content or how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions about anything. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, if you're looking specifically for some of the Lake of the Woods content, um, I know we talked a lot about it, but there's so much more into detail, a lot more visuals as far as like where some of these places are on the lake. Um, if you go over to my YouTube channel at TJ's Guide Service, I have a three-part series on Lake of the Woods that talks about my favorite presentations, some of the spot on the spots that I fish on some of those pieces of structure, and then just kind of your Lake of the Woods 101. Like, here's what you need to know if you've never been here before. Um, so that's a great place to get a ton more information. There's all sorts of other videos on there. So that's a great place to go for some more tips, tricks, just some fun fishing videos. But otherwise, if you're looking to get in contact with me, you know, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at TJ's Guide Service. Um, email tjsguiding at gmail.com. If you're looking for trips in the summer, feel free to reach out. I'd love to take you out, check, show you what Park Rapids has to offer. And if you're looking uh, for the winter, I don't do quite as much ice fishing. That's when I film most of my YouTube content. Um, but feel free to reach out. I love talking fishing. I love every part of fishing. So if you have questions, people are reaching out to me all the time on YouTube, on Instagram asking all sorts of questions and I'm an open book. I love to share. I love to help because so many people have helped me along and I just want to pass that along and kind of just get that fire burning for people about fishing. So yeah, feel free to reach out. I'd love to, love to connect, love to chat. It'd be uh, great to hear from you guys. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for the time and um, I will, I'll let you back to it, man. We just had a great sit down. I'm super fired up. I got all kinds of notes written down here already. I'm just, I'm just loving it. Um, and yeah, dude, yeah, good luck on no, the ice this great. year. We'll be in touch, and uh, you will, yeah, this won't be the last time we do it. I, I think that, uh, yeah, there's definitely a few things we got to unpack a little bit, and I think that that part of the world that you're in is like, uh, like Jason's not wrong when he says there.